time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, November 7th. 2023, the feast of St. Didacus of Alcala, which he was born in San Nicolas del Puerto, the kingdom of Seville, so he probably had a very different accent, That's probably not how you pronounce his name, into a very poor but very devout family. As a child, he embraced a hermetical life and later became a wandering hermit under the guidance of a hermetical priest. He joined the observant branch of the Order of Friars Minor, otherwise known as the Franciscans. So if you know any Third Order Franciscans out there, tell them a uh, happy feast day. And he became a lay brother. He worked as various manual trades to support the brotherhood. He preached in villages surrounding Cordoba, Cadiz, and Seville, displaying a strong devotion. He was highly regarded in these regions for his piety and, most importantly, his zeal. He had missionary work during 1445 to 1449 in the Canary Islands. He was sent to the island of Lanzarote, which was part of the newly conquered Canary Islands, and later appointed as guardian of the Franciscan community on the island there. His defense for the indigenous people and against the some of the more violent, what people would now call colonizers, led to his return to Spain in 1449. He went to Rome during the Jubilee year proclaimed by Pope Nicholas V. An epidemic broke out and Didacus served as an infirmarian, miraculously curing many through his intercession. He returned to Spain and lived in a friary of Santa Maria de Jesus in Alacala. He spent his remaining years in penance, solitude, and contemplation and died on November 12, 1463 due to an abscess. He was canonized by Pope Sixtus V, which we haven't had a Pope Sixtus VI yet, just fun fact out there. His feast day is celebrated on the 13th of November, um, typically, but in the United States, it is observed on the 7th of November, that would be today. A couple miracles that are telling during his life was that he would take some bread that was left over from the monastery table, and he would hide it in his cloak so he could give it away to the poor. But one day while he was leaving the convent, the cloak full of different various breads, he was accused of taking bread from the table. And so when he opened his cloak, the bread changed into roses. Another healing miracle was King Henry IV, after the death of Didacus, the, the king of Castile, went to him with an injured arm. And after kissing the hand of the dead man, he immediately, the pain disappeared and his arm regained its strength. Don Carlos, the son of King Philip II, who is a contemporary of Teresa of Avila, in fact, Teresa of Avila met King Philip II, fell seriously ill, his son did, and was partially paralyzed. Didacus's body was brought to him, and upon placing his hand on his chest, the prince fell into a deep sleep and recovered due to Didacus's intercession. So, what should we pray for from such a man? Well, we should pray for piety and zeal for the faith. We should pray for the conversion of sinners. We should pray to to have the spirit of hospitality to help others whenever we are able and even when we're not. So we pray for this to St. Didacus. St. Didacus of Alcala, pray, pray for, for us. us. 
And joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Adrian. It's good to be here. And man, I really just, I hate it when that happens. You know, you take bread from the refectory mm -hmm. and it just falls out of your cloak like that. Ah, man. Yeah, it happened to me yesterday and I was like, dude, I was, I'm hungry. I can't <laughs> eat the roses. What is that? What kind of miracle is that? So uh, kind of bummer. Now, if I had like picked a bunch of flowers and then it turned into like chocolate or something, then I'd be like, that's a miracle right there. That's a, that's a Valentine's Day mi miracle right there. It's coming up. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Um, please be God. Um, God, please make my flowers turn into chocolate. Thank you. Um, in advance. Thank you in advance. Pray, <laughs> praying with confidence. I know it's going to happen. Adrian needs a Valentine. We're doing a raffle if you'd like to, oh, uh, yeah. you know, raffle. We'd like to raffle them off. So if you want to participate, let us know. Join next, us in the after show. Uh, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and you'll see all of the platforms that we stream to. Leave a comment. Yeah, praise be to God. At the next uh, GRN Gala, we're gonna I'm gonna auction myself off. Sounds good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now the in you know it's good. You mentioned our social media platform. Somebody had emailed me and I responded, but um, apparently a lot of people are confused about our after show. They're trying to figure oh. out where to find the after show, and so the way to find our after show. So the entire show from beginning to end is on the radio, but the after show is only on our social media feeds. So from 6 a.m. Central to 7.30 a.m. Central, we are on the radio um, and we're live streaming on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, and you can find us there. But from 7.30 a.m. Central to 8 a.m. Central, uh, we are exclusively on our social media feeds and we interact with you directly. Field your comments from the live feed and we'd love to interact with you. So if you want to join us for any or just the after show on the social media side, uh, feel free, just look up Catholic Drive Time on your favorite social media platform, and you'll find us there. So thanks for the reminder, Rudy. You're welcome. So coming up in this hour, and we in the 15 past the hour, the Nashville shooter um, puts out a manifesto, and did we get to see it? It's kind of interesting. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. Plus, pro-Palestinian demonstrators try to climb up and over the White House gate. That was pretty wild to see the video of that. At 30 past the hour, we're going to talk with my friend Timothy Craig about um, raising a family techless. That's kind of wild in the 21st century. How does he respond to emails? It's really interesting. And we're going to, he's also an Anglophile. So we're going to talk about Guy Fox Day, uh, which was, I think, last Sunday. So we'll talk about that coming up in this hour as well. In the next hour, Adam Bly, religious demonologist, will be joining us to talk about the spirit world. So you won't want to miss any moment of Catholic Drive Time today. And as Rudy said, don't forget, join us in the after show. We'd love to chat with you. So make sure you do so. And we'll begin with prayer, as is our custom. In the month of November, we'll pray for the holy souls because it is a month dedicated to the souls in purgatory. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on in your life. We pray in a special way for the repose of the soul of Larry Massey Sr. and for Larry Massey, a dear friend of ours, and for his whole family, the passing of his father, Larry Massey Sr. We pray for my, also my grandfather's cancer, that he be healed of that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. O Lord, who art ever merciful and bounteous with thy gifts, 
Look down upon the suffering souls in purgatory. Remember not their offenses and negligences, but be mindful of thy loving mercy, which is from all eternity. Cleanse them of their sins and fulfill their ardent desires that they may be made worthy to behold thee face to face in thy glory. May they soon be united with thee and hear those blessed words, which will call them to their heavenly home. Come, blessed of my Father, take possession of the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today. For all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home, and within my family. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are just a few of your breaking news and headlines this morning. A canon lawyer denies involvement in papal election reform, calling reports a pure lie. A November 4th report from several news outlets claimed that Cardinal Diafranco Giardilla, a canon lawyer, a canon law expert and a lawyer, of course, who is closely associated with the Vatican, had been asked by the Holy Father with drafting revisions to the conclaves. The changes being considered including changing pre-conclave meetings, called general congregations, to employ synod-on-synodality-style small group discussions and limiting participation in those meetings to cardinals eligible to vote. That is, cardinals that are under 80 years of age, according to the reports. He says, quote, I do not know anything about it, and any implication I have in it is a pure lie, his eminence stated. The papal election process and the set of a conte, the period that's uh, between the Pope's death and the resignation or resignation and election of his successor, are currently regulated by St. John Paul II's 1996 Apostolic Constitution, Universi Dominici, Dominici Gregis, and Pope Francis's 2022 Apostolic Constitution, Predicate Evangelum. And moving on, we have uh, another story here. The Pentagon deploys a nuclear-powered sub to the Middle East to keep Israel and Hamas war from widening. The Pentagon confirmed the deployment of an Ohio-class submarine to the Middle East to support the Biden administration's deterrence efforts in preventing the escalation of the Israel-Hamas conflict. While the specific type of Ohio-class submarine wasn't disclosed, it's now operating in the Fifth Fleet area of operations. The U.S. has deployed soldiers, weapons, ships, including the USS Gerald Ford and the USS Dwight Eisenhower carrier strike groups, as well as Air Force jet fighters to deter potential threats from Iran, Hezbollah, and Shia militias. The submarine's exact capabilities, whether carrying nuclear-tipped ballistic missiles or Tomahawk uh, cruise missiles, that remains undisclosed. And here's a really concerning story, and I want to draw it back to another story that we had just earlier this week. Make sure to search for Catholic Drive Time on YouTube, and you'll see a story that we did on school choice. In any case, the headline is, I Don't Kneel. Student sues Chicago schools over disguised religious rituals during class. She says, quote, oh, no, I'm not kneeling down. That's against my religion. I don't kneel down for idols or pictures and things of that sort said Mariah Green, a former student at Chicago's Bogan High School. She was recently awarded $75,000 in a lawsuit against the school, alleging violations of her First Amendment rights. Green said that students were forced to participate in a quiet time program which promoted transcendental meditation and including pagan, included pagan initiation rites conducted in a darkened classroom. 
She asserts that the program violated the First Amendment's free exercise and establishment clauses by pushing religious practices on students. The school required students to attend so-called puja initiation ceremonies without explaining Sanskrit words and rituals involved and also encouraged the students not to disclose the details of the activities to their parents. The district denies wrongdoing, but Green's case highlights concerns about pagan coercion in public schools. Now, those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. Uh, We're going to focus in on verse 15 for just a moment. Verse 15 says, When one of them that sat at table with him had heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, Cornelius Lapide commenting on this, he has a lot of things to say, but he says, mystically, he was sighing for something which was afar off, and the bread itself was lying before him. For who is that bread of the kingdom of God, but he who says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. So the question we have to ask ourselves, what is the bread in the kingdom of God? It is our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we are trying to strive for the kingdom of God, then what is it that we will have in heaven? We will have our Lord. So how could it possibly be if someone does not love our Lord or desire to be with our Lord, can they be in the kingdom of heaven? It just doesn't make sense. Here's another element to think about. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. We can think of it on a lower sense. In a lower sense, even if all you do in heaven is have a loaf of bread, it's not a giant wedding feast, it's not great mansions, it's just a loaf of bread. Even that would be greater than the alternative, which is the fiery pits of hell. Now here in verse 16, it says, But he said to him, A certain man made a great supper and invited many. So now we're referring to a grander scale of what is expected to be the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to be something small. It's going to be something grand. But we'll ask, what is this supper? Cornelius Lapide gives a number of different things and aspects of what the supper will be. He said, in a literal sense, the supper is the happiness and glory of heaven. It is called a supper because it will be given in the evening, that is the end of the world, when life and its troubles are over. Because also... It will be our only and everlasting refreshment, full of enjoyment of eternal sweetness. For after it, no guest is cast out. So let's strive for the kingdom of heaven. And how do we get to heaven? By loving God. If you love God, you'll keep his commandments. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No, according to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. 
So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Now, there is a story that broke yesterday that was very concerning. And I was reading it, and Rudy and I were looking at it together. And I was like, this seems... Two on the nose, TBH. Allegedly, this has been confirmed. I'll just tell you. Why am I burying the lead? Uh, let me just tell you what it is. Nashville shooter, uh, his man, her manifesto was released. I'm confused because it's a trans, transgender person. Someone who claimed to be so transgender. Was it, a, was it a guy? I don't know. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I looked at the story. It, it was a her. That's right. It was a her because people were talking about the questioning. Did the testosterone that she was um, taking help cause her to have higher aggression? Um, so, yeah, it was a her. And the Nashville shooter leaked the manifesto. Um, so that's what we're talking about. So the story came out yesterday. It was released by Steven Crowder on um, well yesterday. And they actual document itself was on pencil and paper and a notebook so it's interesting for a number of reasons because and i I don't want to really read to you the whole thing um you can find the stephen crowder read it out loud if you want to go find it he reads the whole thing to you but i don't want to read the whole thing because it's very a lot of curse words and they're sewn throughout it but I'll just read you this article from the Daily Wire. The transgender identifying killer who murdered six people at a Christian school in Nashville was consumed by leftist racial hatred toward white people as, quote, privileged, according to the three pages of the shooter's diary. Kill those kids, those crackers going to private fancy schools with those fancy khakis, sports backpacks with their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. The 20-year-old, 28-year-old female shooter wrote in their diary dated February 3rd. They said things like, I wish to shoot you. We'll just say that. Um, yellow you with your mop yellow hair. Very obviously talking about people who are blonde. Um, Want to kill all you little crackers, which anybody, everybody knows that cracker is a acceptable derogatory term against white people i say acceptable because the fact that you can you have to say the n-word but you can't actually say the word itself but you can say you don't have to say the c-word you say well they said cracker because it's not it's not offensive enough that people are like don't you dare say that word um so it's an acceptable term people you can basically what i'm trying to say is you're allowed to be racist against white people 
you you cannot be racist against blacks. You can't be racist against other races, whether it be any kind of minority, but you can 100% be racist against white people. And so they have it written out. Want to kill all you little crackers. A bunch of, and it talks about another, some bad words here, and your white privileges. That's she wrote. Uh, three photographs of the pages of the shooter's diary were obtained by Crowder, who said that he, his team independently confirmed the authenticity of the images. Also, the Daily Wire claims that they also confirmed the authenticity of the pages. And Fox also said that they confirmed the authenticity of the pages. I initially, I'm kind of skeptical of that just because, you know, one, the police haven't come out and confirmed it themselves, which I'm like, why won't they? If it's already been leaked, they're claiming it's been confirmed. It's a little odd and it's a little on the nose too. Like it's just, it's very on the nose, which it, it sounds like it's written the way you would imagine that they wrote it. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's almost like an obvious sort of like a plant. You know, I hate to say that, but I'm skeptical about this whole thing because the way that it reads too, and I think specifically the thing that I have a, a sort of a hang up on is there's a schedule yeah. that's included in this whole thing. And it's it's a schedule that's like accurate or supposedly accurate to like every minute. It's like, wow, that's that's odd. I don't. I don't think somebody would actually sit down and write, okay, for four minutes, I'm going to prepare while I'm at the school. That's odd. That's just strange. Well, the other thing that's weird is apparently, and this, so I think it may be real, but I don't think it's the manifesto, mm. if you know what I mean. What I mean is, from what I'm seeing, it seems like she kept a diary. Mm-hmm. And these are just three pages out of her diary, which actually makes more sense. Because if you look at it, the handwriting, the way it was written, it is wasn't written like a manifesto. It was written like scribbles on a page. And so what it seems like to me is this is an excerpt from her diary, which is what's the concerning thing about this is that in this section, she actually mentions a video, which we don't have access to. So the question is, does this video exist? Because it seems to me that that is the manifesto. manifesto. Yeah. That she wrote and directed or not directed, wrote and and put out some video that is her real manifesto. And that we don't we don't have. And so that's what I'm concerned about. Because it look I'm looking at it. There's like scribbles of a gun in the top right corner. There's like doodles in the front and in the top of it like it looks like someone's just journal someone's notebook that they're writing in if you look at it and so my guess is that this is authentic in terms of it's actually written by this person but it's not the actual manifesto itself that it's just an excerpt of their journal i'm just trying to see if i can find where they mentioned the video. I remember reading it when I was reading it yesterday. There he goes. At 11.20 a.m., final video tape, 10 minutes. Is there what they were, she was scheduling for her to take? How long it was going to take her? 10 minutes to make her video. So apparently, there's a 10-minute final videotape of her giving her manifesto. And that's what I want to see. 
because this is just her, her scribblings. It's just her writing, her being racist, her saying crazy things. And she says things like, I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. Like, it just seems like it seems to me like it's some kid, which is 28 years old, not like it's a kid. But it sounds like some kid who is trying to imagine what one should write in their journals. It's theatrical. It's theatrical. It looks like they're trying to put on a show. Mm-hmm. So I want to see, especially now that this has been released, I think there needs to be more pressure on the police to release the actual video. And if they don't have a video to come out and say they don't have a video, maybe she didn't get around to it. Maybe she was unable to find the time to do it. She didn't follow her schedule according to the way she wrote it. I think it's very, very dangerous. But it's also dangerous that the only kind of racism that's allowed in America today is anti-white racism. Uh, this is simply what it is. All over America, you can get in trouble if you dare say anything against any race. But if you want to be racist against white people, if you attack a white person, you can probably get away with it in the 21st century in America. This is very bad. This is very, very bad. And it's not to say, oh, we should be racist against everybody. No. Instead, white people are not a special category of people that are less than human. And that's the other thing, too. What on earth is a quote-unquote white person? Are they just not from anywhere? Are white people just like they their skin is literally white? That's why they call them white people. Because most quote-unquote white people are Irish, German, Italian. They are some kind of culture. Maybe they're British, English. They're not, there's not this category of white people. And it's a very racist thing to do to categorize these people and put them into the same category, especially when the largest mass lynching in the history of America was done against Italian Catholics. Italians weren't considered white. People forget this or they choose not to know it. So this is very concerning and we should be aware of it, especially as we see tensions rise. Like for instance, there was a, on November 4th over the weekend, a pro Palestinian demonstration. They call it demonstration. They vandalized the white house gate. And I think that headline is a little tame, we'll say, is a little tame because they were trying to scale the fence that was surrounding the White House. What were they planning on doing? What was their goal of scaling the fence to the White House? What were they going to do? Well, according to most media outlets, they were just expressing outrage against the bombing of the Palestinians. And look. I am not some person who is out there saying rah, rah, glass, uh, Gaza. I've never said anything like that. I'm not some person who's like, oh, we need to take a, a intransigent stance as American people. No, I've never held a to any of those positions. I'm not a warmonger. I would like peace. But at the same time, 
the Palestinian supporters in America are widely, widely the same crowd who supports Black Lives Matter. It's the same crowd. It's the same crowd who rioted across America during the great summer of love, as they called it. This is an insurrection. Why are they not being treated as such? And we're seeing this. They kind of shaped the Israel-Palestinian war as a race war. That's what they're shaping it as. They're saying, oh, the, the Israelis, the Jews, are white and the Palestinians are brown. Therefore, the brown people must be good and the white people must be bad. That's the mentality. It is a completely erroneous articulation of what's going on in the Middle East. And the situation in the Middle East is incredibly complicated. Way bigger a deal than many people. Americans want to simplify it to a race war. But that's what it's being used as in America. In the United States, they're using it to foment greater divisiveness against, quote-unquote, the races. What happened to the America that said we wanted to be colorblind? What happened to the America that said that we were for everybody? Where did that go? Or was it never true to begin with? I wasn't around for a lot of that. But for as long as I can remember, there's always been this tension. And the only way forward is to understand that people are made in the image and likeness of God. To understand that we have to love all peoples. And to love all peoples means to will their conversion to the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. That's what it means to love your neighbor. So do you love your neighbor? Do you want them to be Catholic? Because I don't care what your color of your skin is. I don't care what language you speak. What I care about is... Do you love Almighty God? And do you want to be part of His church? We'll be right back. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Dan Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Hey Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? That's right. Alright, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. (laughs) They love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. This is an interesting story, uh, just kind of like the... You know, the double standard that you see in the news. 
This story, from a left's perspective and from the right's perspective, is very different. But I'm going to give you the Catholic take on this one. The Rolling Stone dishonestly demonizes Speaker Mike Johnson for protecting his son from porn. Johnson testified to the efficacy of an app called Covenant Eyes by noting that Jack, his son, had a clean state, a slate, and does not appear to be regularly viewing internet porn, something that can't be said of for 73% of his son's teenage peers. The speaker's attempt to protect himself and his son from content that negatively affects sexual and mental development is an admirable uh, parenting and often hailed as best practice in evangelical circles around the country, including Catholic ones. Rolling Stone, however, led its article by dishonestly accusing Johnson and his son of monitoring each other's porn intake, of which Johnson already indicated there was none. The publication then framed Johnson's vigilance as creepy big brotherness that matched his track record as a faith-obsessed, election-denying, far-right Christian nationalist. Wow, what a word salad. With a staunch belief in traditional marriage and in the sanctity of life in the womb. Now, if you ask me... I think that's a very admirable thing to do. Make sure your son enters into heaven along with yourself. Bring somebody with you. Uh, here's another story. Elon Musk announces Grok, a new AI tool with a bit of a wit and rebellious streak. In other words, kind of annoying sort of uh, robot. Elon Musk's startup uh, XAI has introduced a new artificial intelligence tool called Grok, which has a sarcastic and witty personality. Grok's tone is inspired by The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, enabling it to respond to more humorous or challenging questions compared to other AI tools. It can access information from X, formerly known as Twitter, giving it an edge in the AI space. And those are some of your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Great. Just what I wanted, Rudy. An annoying AI chatbot. An AI trained on Twitter. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Grok, there was a really interesting thread on Twitter. I refreshed the page and I lost it. Can you find it? It said something along the lines of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking more. It's going to be like, <laughs> like the people who respond on Twitter are, when they were the worst, are just like literally <laughs> the worst. It's so bad. And you look at the arguments. They don't exist. There's no such thing. Their arguments don't exist. Yeah. You have like 200 characters, so everything is just taxed to each other. Which is funny because when uh, Elon Musk took over Twitter, he said, yeah, I'm going to restore it. I'm going to bring it back so that it's an open forum, kind of like a, uh, a city center or city square where you can get together and share your ideas. He increased the, the, the limit of the uh, characters you can have in there and still – Still? People can't articulate their points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's probably more of a problem with our generation. It might not be. be able to articulate it thoughts. But speaking of, I loved the story you were talking about um, about the well, who was it, Senator? The new Speaker of the House, the Speaker of the House. Yeah, new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. He's uh, protecting his kids from pornography. Yeah, he and his son have a you know they they're using Covenant Eyes, and mm. Covenant Eyes is a wonderful tool. I've used it in the past before. Uh, with one of my friends. And the way that it works is you have an accountability partner. And so for him, it's him and his son. And that, I think that's really, really cool. Without a son, I would I would do the same because it's a very dangerous world that we live in. I mean, just anything innocuous, you run into things that you have to avert your eyes. And so I think it's really admirable that he is uh, being an accountability partner for his son. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, you know, that's one way to keep your kids away from pornography mm -hmm. is to have that on their devices. But, you know, the foolproof way 
There's one foolproof way to make sure they do not have pornography on their cell phone. You pluck out their eyes. Uh, okay, two foolproof <laughs> Kinda ways. Kind of like the scripture, that right? is, That's that, not me. That, that, that's the scriptural so, okay. interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> there are two ways. Because, <laughs> yes, if they don't have eyes, they would not be able to look at pornography. <laughs> That is an accurate statement, uh, but no, was not what I was going to say. What I was going to say was you could uh, just not give them phones to begin with. What? And they won't be- yeah, I, crazy idea, what right? Novel People are like, concept. I can't live in the 21st century without uh, smartphones. My kids need iPads. I need iPad children, TV <laughs> children, um, but it is, in fact, possible. And how do I know this? Adrian, you don't have any kids. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not married. Um, well... I brought my friend in, Timothy Craig, into the studio this morning, and he, one thing that shocks me about Mr. Timothy that I find very admirable is that he has been using a, a dumb phone since he first got a phone, uh, but good morning to you, Mr. Timothy. Good morning, Mr. Adrian. Praise be to God. It's good to have yes, you sir. on. Thank you. Good to be on. Yes, praise be to God. Now, uh, tell me about yourself a little bit before we get started. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know, um, your your little your background, your because you went to which many people don't even never even heard of this. You went to a pre seminary, but before you went to pre seminary, you were like nine different kinds of Protestant. Uh, so <laughs> tell me the the, the two minute version of your story. Yeah. So I mean. My parents, my mom was cradle Catholic, my dad was Protestant, they both kind of fell away, they came back into the faith, so I was raised very Protestant, and very strong, very traditional Protestant, uh, no technology, growing up we had no TV, my parents didn't have phones, I mean this was uh, right when phones were becoming popular, um, eventually we, we were all sorts of stuff, we were, uh, we were Baptist, we were Nazarene, we were Messianic Jewish, we were Mennonite, and my dad was just kind of looking for the the true, the one and only true church that taught the truth. And finally, I ran into St. Ignatius of Antioch, ran into Scott Hahn, and uh, was like, oh, maybe that's the Catholic Church. And after a long and hard struggle, finally, my whole family came into the church uh, Easter Sunday back in 2011. So ever since then, of course, we've been Catholic, thanks be to God. Um and shortly afterwards, actually through Catholic Radio, I heard about they someone did a show where they talked about an older thing that they used to do called minor seminaries or high school seminaries, where if you wanted to become a priest and you were a teenager in high school, you could go and start your training early. Um, so I was like, I wanted to become a priest at the time. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Let me see if these things still exist. Looked into it, found one up in Minnesota, uh, Mankato, Minnesota, and a uh, little seminary, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio. Uh, minor seminary run by the Institute of the Incarnate Word. Decided to go check it out. We did. Uh, decided to attend. And I went for about two and a half years. And it was uh, phenomenal. I I never grew so much in my entire life. Uh, the, especially one of the priests there, Father Mariano Varela, was phenomenal in my own spiritual growth, my own love of Our Lady. Um, he was the one who really helped me overcome a lot of my Protestant upbringing as far as aversion to Our Lady and... Uh, aversion to tradition and many of those things. Um, so phenomenal priest. Uh, I, I'm very grateful to him. Uh, after I left seminary for various complicated reasons, I came home, to continued discerning a little bit, uh, met a young lady who is now my wife. We, uh, we decided to begin courting after a while. We uh, courted for about a year, uh, got engaged, got married, and now we have one son, uh, one son, uh, also named Timothy, and a little girl on the way. So 
We're very, very excited. We've been married for about two years now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's... Praise uh, be to God. Yeah, that's the long and short of it. And yeah. the crazy thing to most people and to, to me, too, I'm like, I don't know how you function, is your family doesn't have a computer or internet. You don't have internet. No, no. You don't have a TV. Um, you have a dumb phone. Um, how on earth do you function? Yeah, I mean, it does make things every now and then a little inconvenient. I will say that. Um, I know my boss recently was wanting me to take some classes for my mechanic job uh, so I could you know, up my knowledge. And I had to tell him, like, yeah, okay, okay, but I can only do it in the evenings at the library. So I can't just get on my, my computer at home and, uh, and get on the internet. Yeah, we don't have a computer. We don't have TV. Uh, when we do want to watch movies, we have a small projector that we set up and all that. So we got to get a CD from the library. Very uh, old-fashioned, I guess, now. But uh, as far as emailing goes, my wife does have a smartphone. Um, she uses it a lot for looking up recipes. And then, I mean, one of the biggest things I think that is incredibly difficult is with the ever-changing road landscape of Houston, you need a GPS. So my wife has that smartphone that does have a GPS that I will take to, if I'm heading off across town, I have no idea where to go. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with Houston. I've grown up here my whole life. But if I need a GPS, I'll take my wife's phone. She has a GPS so she doesn't get lost. Um, and if I need to send an email... I probably won't get back to you anytime soon, but I will eventually get back to you. Uh, usually, I can I, confirm he's yes, really bad at responding. I am terrible at responding, <laughs> but I, I make it a point to be terrible at responding because I, I am bugged by nowadays people are so quick to respond. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, in, in a way, that's good. I enjoy the convenience, and I think that you know a lot of people desire that, but I also I think it's harmful the demand of your attention, that everyone is constantly demanding that I mean, you, you should be at their beck and call. Yeah. Um, whether it be work, whether it be friends, whether it be uh, even to an extent family. I mean, if it's an emergency, okay, that, that's understandable. But whenever I have, you know, friends and family and uh, especially work that's wanting me to respond right here and right now, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm off of work. Mm. I'm spending time with my family. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to respond right yeah. this moment. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to wrap up this conversation kind of about a techless life or you know as much as you can in 21st century and then i want to talk about guy fox day have you heard of that do you even know who that is i only know it from reputation so we'll talk about that coming up next Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 AD, and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel. All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And, and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here, but especially today. Why especially today? Well, because it's Tuesday, of course. Don't you realize... It's Tuesday, November 7th. That's like a great day to be here, right? You would say so. I know you're happy to be here with me. I'm happy to be here with you. So praise be to God. Uh, But joining us right now is Timothy Craig. He's a really good friend of mine. And we're chatting about how he he lives a kind of a unique life to us in the 21st century. If you went back in time, it wouldn't be that weird. But in 2023, it's pretty countercultural. He doesn't have a smartphone. And he's trying to raise his family, his kids, and live a life without having the internet. He believe that? No internet at home? Weird, right? Very strange. And yet he does it. And he's and it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Uh, one of the interesting things that I find about it is that, of course, there is an element where you, you need to have some access to internet at some point, whether it be for a GPS or something like that. So his wife actually has a smartphone and the weird thing is, though, they just they just swap phones. So randomly, I'll get text messages from his wife, but it's actually Timothy. Like he'll get uh, he'll be texting me with his wife's phone, or he'll be like, "Oh, can you send me this?" But uh, don't send it to me on my other phone because I won't be able to read it. So can you send it to my wife <laughs> and things like that? Uh, so Timothy, how is how does that go with like your organizing things and switching phones to your wife? How does that how does that work out? I mean, overall, I think it works pretty good as long as you communicate well. Um, I mean, most of the times we're we're pretty we're pretty on the pretty much on the same page. We we know what each other are doing. We know what our plans are, um, and it, it helps sometimes actually in that I'll get a text from a friend and I'll completely forget to reply. And my wife is you know she's got my phone that day and she's like, oh, you never responded to this guy. Oh yeah, I never did. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, oh, I I don't really want to respond to that guy. She's <laughs> like, okay, um, so she helps me get over that sometimes too. Um, but overall, I mean, I think it's, it's very good, very healthy. I mean, she, she knows who my friends are. She knows what we talk about. Uh, she's not always very fond of it sometimes, you know, she, (laughs) you know, she, she and some of my friends have some mixed relationships, but, uh, uh, overall, I mean, we're, we're just very much on the same page. I think it helps us to really just, uh, you know, really trust each other, really be on the same page. We know what we're doing. We know, uh, we know what the plan is, um, I, I don't you know, know. It's, it's good because, you know, whenever I message you or talk to you, I always think, oh, yeah, I mean, whatever I say to Timothy, his wife's going to know. Yeah. And yeah. so it's very it's very and it's, I think that's very healthy. Oh, and yeah. It's very good that there is a, a trust there that you're not trying to hide something from your wife and yeah. she's not in and she's not trying to hide something from you. You'll be able to find out pretty easily. Oh, yeah. Uh, very quickly. If there if that was the case. And I think that's very that's a very healthy thing. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's one of those things where I, I mean, my wife and I don't agree on everything. Like we have quite a few topics actually that are kind of hot button topics that we struggle with and some of my friends are more one way or the other way and some of her friends are very much against me in these regards and 
it's one of those things where I think it also helps us to just kind of not foster that sort of, you know, oh, I go to my friends and I complain about my wife and I'm constantly complaining. You know, she, she knows, you know, we, we're very open about these topics. She knows what my friends think. I know what her friends think. Um, and we, we're very open, you know, oh, well, my friend said this today. You know, let's talk about this. Like, you know, we, we're very, we're able to talk through a lot of these harder discussions, harder topics. And we disagree a lot of times, but we're able to trust each other and work through things a lot easier when we're not hiding a lot of our thoughts and our feelings on these matters. Now, Timothy, you talk as if you are living during the, the greatest generation, like 19, <laughs> 1920s uh, relationship with your wife, uh, the, your, your aversion to, to technology of going to the library to check out a movie. Um, you sound like you are from the a century gone by. So how old are you and how did you end up coming up with this idea to try to not have this technology around your kids and why? Yeah, so I'm I'm fairly young, I guess, for most people who are married my age. I'm only 21 currently, so I'll be 22 in January. But I've been married for about two years. So I was married when I was 19. My wife was 18, so pretty young. Um, but I, it's something that I really saw a distinct change in my family because I grew up traditionalist Protestant, uh, no technology. We're Mennonite for a while, so very, very strict. And I was bored out of my brain because I had didn't have TV, didn't have shows. So I read all the time. That's partially what allowed me to really discover the faith as I developed this love of reading. Um, and I saw tremendous benefits from the way my family lived. Um, and growing up, I saw other circumstances where it's not always terrible. There are families who do it. It's possible. But I, I still think the easiest way... And not only that, but I think the most secure and in the end, what's going to get you the furthest is if you just cut it out altogether. If you, I mean, I, I like movies as well. Every now and then we'll watch a good movie. But if you, all you can do is read books. That's all you'll do is you'll read books. And if you have good books you provide for your children, they'll read books. Um, so seeing their example, seeing, and I, granted, when I was younger, I hated it too. I was like, why can't we be like the other kids? You know, I wanted to play video games. I would go to my friend's houses and I'd, you know, it was, it was something that was a source of friction. But looking back, I'm very grateful for the way my parents raised me. And it's something I, I want to give my kids. I think it's difficult and sometimes can be a source of friction, especially living in the world. We don't live in the world where the kids, the other kids are going to be like that anymore, even among good traditional Catholic circles. Um, but I think it's important to realize and to teach your kids, like, no, like, this is how we're going to live because we're going to focus on what is most important, on bettering ourselves spiritually, on bettering ourselves educationally, reading good, solid books, uh, going and playing outside. Kids don't do that anymore. My little brothers don't do, do that as much anymore. Uh, that's something that I really think is just lost and because of the technology. That's something I wanted to ensure that my kids had, was that they read books, they went outside, and they had a normal, good childhood where they were raised to be good, strong Catholic men and women um, and good feminine women. Um, I grew up mostly with brothers, so I, I'm, I'm raising girls. <laughs> hey, how many brothers do you have? I got seven brothers. Seven so brothers. Eight and boys total, and I got three younger sisters. So three younger up, sisters. It was seven boys all at once, and then three girls at the end. So mm. I, I raised the boy, or I helped raise the boys. Uh, girls are new things. So I'm having a little daughter this April, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That'll be fascinating. I, by the time uh, my little sisters were born, I was off at seminary also with all boys. So hmm. it'll be, it'll be fascinating. But, uh, It'll be great. Well, praise be to God. I think that's really awesome. Uh, we have just about uh, about six minutes left in our conversation, and I wanted to kind of shift the conversation over to talking about your 
Anglophile uh, <laughs> little vice you yes, have there. I, uh, <laughs> the you were telling me about Guy Fox Day, and I don't know anything. I think the only thing I know about Guy Fox is that that mask that people wear. Yeah, called the, the vendetta guy, mask. Yeah, the, the vendetta mask. Yeah. That's the only thing I know about this guy. So who was Guy Fox? And just a, a one minute version of uh, why you're an Anglophile. Yes. So I'm an Anglophile because mainly I, I went to the ordinary for a while and I really uh, rediscovered in many ways a vibrant Catholic English history. Now there's some Anglican stuff that we don't talk about, but uh, especially pre-Anglo Reformation, the Catholic faith in England was extraordinarily vibrant. I'm also uh, patrimonially, uh, by, my, by my father's side, English. So I wanted to adhere to a culture, and I one single culture, not a mix. And so I was like, I will be English since my father was English. So uh, I adhere to the English culture, and I deeply love the English culture. Um, okay, so Guy Fox. Guy Fox. Uh, Guy Fox, yes. Okay. Uh, also known as Guido Fox. Uh, really? He, yes. Okay. Uh, so he was a so English. He was a, so he was Sicilian. I'll explain that. Okay. So he was a recusant uh, Protestant. His family was recusant. So it means for those that who don't know, for the, uh, they were Catholics during the reign of Elizabeth, where it was illegal to be Catholic. So they had to pay a fee if they didn't want to go to the Protestant services. So they were called recusants because they refused to give up their faith. Um, so he was raised Catholic. Eventually, he grew up. It was very hard to get a job as a Catholic. So he fled to Italy and Spain, where he fought in the wars, and he went by the name of Guido. Um, so mm. also known as Guido Fox. If you look at his confession. Uh, signed Guido Fox. Oh wow! Um, so in in Spain and uh, uh, Italy, he was he gained a reputation as a man of incredible virtue and strength and chivalry, just a pinnacle of English knighthood. Eventually, he returned to England, and uh, there was a lot of hope uh, during the reign of King James the uh, First after Elizabeth, because he seemed to be less harsh against the Catholics. Um, but eventually his parliament kind of went, uh, they were like, you need to be harsher. So he began to up the persecutions, and they were like, there's no hope at this point. He is just like Elizabeth. We need to end this. So him and a few friends, they uh, made a plot to blow up parliament, uh, Protestant parliament. They decided to uh, go in. They disguised themselves. They built up a, a network. They went in. Um, unfortunately, they, they rented, they, they rented a, a little uh, room in the bottom of Parliament where they filled it with gunpowder. Everything was in place. Um, but unfortunately, their network grew too large, and there was a, uh, a weak link who leaked it to one of the members of Parliament. And the day of, they discovered Guido, uh, Guy Fox in the, in the basement uh, with the match in his hand about to blow up Parliament. Oh, wow. So uh, it almost succeeded, but unfortunately, he was arrested. Uh, after weeks of torture, they finally uh, got out his confession. Uh, so he refused to give it up. But uh, at long last, I mean, e English torture at that time was very refined and very, very harsh. So he finally gave up. Uh, his other compatriots had fled. So uh, they were unfortunately, he, he was the one versed in warfare. So he, uh, they had all the rest of the gunpowder and they tried to dry because they got a little damp. They're like, we need this for our guns. And it can't be damp. So they put it out in front of a fire to dry it out, blew up in their faces. Oh they went blind goodness. and were injured. That's whenever the soldiers finally caught up to them. They were all captured. Um, they were all sentenced to be hung, drawn, and quartered. Um, That's a very gruesome death. They extraordinarily cut open your bowels, gruesome. pull it they, out. They hang you till you're almost dead. Then they cut out your bowels and they cut off your arms Oof. while you're still alive. Extraordinarily painful. People like Edmund Campion suffered deaths like these. St. Edmund Campion. Um, so, he, uh, unfortunately, he did fail in the last moments, and to not suffer the death, such a gruesome death, 
he jumped from the gallows and broke his neck. So a sort of suicide, unfortunately. But overall, a very, very great example of English resistance. They fought to the last for the English Catholic faith. They did mm-hmm. not want to... I mean, they recognized that these Protestants were coming in, they were usurping uh, the, the Catholic faith, the right of the Catholic Church, and they were willing to do whatever was necessary, even at risk of their own life. If you, if you really think about it as well, Guy Fox had very little chance of getting out of Parliament. There was a chance. But when he hit, lit that match, it was most likely his own end as well. Wow. So very valiant, uh, and England still celebrated, uh, unfortunately, as a Protestant holiday, but especially myself as an Anglophile Catholic, uh, I celebrated as a, a celebration of a great hero of the Catholic faith who uh, truly lived and died for the church. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. And I'd be very curious to see, kind of do an analysis maybe later, uh, maybe during the after show, if you'll stay yeah. with us, yeah. we could talk about um, whether or not that is morally justified to blow up parliament. I think that's a very interesting question. It is an interesting topic, um, yes. So, yeah, very interesting. I mean, living in that kind of world, that kind of life, that is very, very. I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult for us to understand what it must have been like to live in Catholic England and then have England become Anglican yeah. and then have the switch back and forth, the king uh, being pro, anti, um, <laughs> and the whole thing is incredibly complicated and Americans very much like to oversimplify situations to make oh, yes. it black and white. But uh, I think it'll be an interesting conversation. So if you want to join us in that conversation, join us in the after show at 30 past the next hour on all of our social media feeds. But we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Adam Bly with The Spirit World. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable... I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a patron saint? The classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring. And yet, so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. 
gradually quit going. Went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. And it was an easy excuse. I, I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. When you come home to the, to the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you today. Uh, we just wrapped up a awesome conversation with my friend Timothy Craig. Uh, we were talking about, well, we were talking about a number of things. We started off the conversation talking about living a tech-free family. Honestly, we could have stuck with that one topic for the whole time, and but he wanted to talk about Guy Fox, and apparently that's not how you say his name. Gwee Fox or something like that. I don't know. These weird English pronunciations. I don't know. I'm American. We speak real English here. And we were talking about that and this idea of blowing up parliament, assassinating the Protestant king and the Protestant uh, parliament for usurping the throne, which belonged to the Catholic Church. And we didn't get to the topic of the morality of the actual action itself. So in the after show, we're going to talk about whether or not it's okay to plan assassinations. Is that something that is morally justifiable? Uh, And if so, in what cases would it be justifiable? And we're going to talk about those kind of topics in the after show. So if you want to join us for that, hop on at 30 past the hour. We're going to talk about that on our social media streams, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, Uh, So feel free to join us there. We'd love to chat with you. But uh, joining us right now is Adam Bly with the Spirit World. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing great. Praise be to God. I really loved your show last Saturday talking about um, the indulgences and talking about the souls in purgatory. Y'all had some amazing callers last week. um, So praise be to God for that. Yeah, it it was a it was a good show. I learned a lot, and yeah, people are. I don't know. It, it's it's touching. Um, I'm glad that people feel, you know, safe there to to bring those kind of more heavy and serious questions from their life, and hopefully we can be helpful. Amen, amen. I I know it was definitely helpful to a number of people. It's funny because I was sitting in the studio while you were doing the show, and I was talking with our business manager, David Magianis, about the, the questions. I was like, huh, how would I answer that question? And I would try to give my answer real quick and then try to see what how you and Debbie would respond. I was like, this, it was a really interesting, interesting little, little game I've kind of played with myself there. Uh, but what is the topic for the spirit world coming up this Saturday? This Saturday, we are doing a recorded show because we're trying to catch up on the many, many questions that have come in over email and Facebook. Mm. We, we, we try to at least group, you know, um, kind of common themes together to cover a number of people. But, you know, we're, we're in the hundreds. Um, and so every now and then we like to set aside a show because there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they don't feel comfortable calling into a radio show and being on the air, but, but they want to, you know, share their question, and sometimes they share their whole story, 
in an email where there wouldn't be time for that on a on a radio show. So we're we're trying to catch up with those folks. Was there any uh, questions that you found particularly interesting or uh, worthy of note? Well, you know, Adrian, um, we Debbie sees the questions and organizes them, mm. but I never look at them ahead of time. Oh, okay, that's that's good. That's a good thing because you know it's it's kind of um, more authentic you know whenever you have able to respond initially in the moment versus Mm -hmm. when you have a pre-written out response and you get to think about it some more uh, you know there's benefit to that in the sense that you get a a more precise answer but you lose kind of that relationship and i really like that kind of element to the spirit world where it feels like there's a really a, a getting to know you and that you are kind of a friend of the person that you're answering their question yeah, I think, I mean, my background's in psychology. Um, so, you know, I, I worked as a master's level therapist in a few different settings. And being present, you know, with a person kind of as authentically as you can, I think requires that spontaneity. Just be present with them, with their question or, you know, what they've written in. And like you said, if it's a canned answer, we all can feel that, right? Mm-hmm. You can just, you can tell when somebody's going into a script um, and it loses that kind of presence, I guess. Uh, it's very true. Now, you know, a conversation that I was having uh, fairly recently was a question about it's the situation that's happening on social media. I started seeing this thing that I've I've heard before, but I never looked into actually what it is. I kind of didn't want to, but there's this thing that I started seeing pop up called spirit cooking. And I, I don't know, and maybe it's kind of in my mind, and you can tell me, perhaps you know what this is. It sounded to me like it's like, I imagine like a witch with a black cauldron uh, making like potions or something. Uh, but what is this thing called spirit cooking? Well, I don't know. I can't give you a full answer, Adrian, because I'm not an expert on it. I've seen the same things that other people have seen in terms of video clips of Performance art done with pig's blood um, and other fluids, I think, from the animal. I'm not sure. Um, and, yeah, so, so and then the commentary about that performance art uh, from the people that have done it kind of implies that when it's done in the public, it's performance art, but when it's done privately, it's a form of kind of occultism or, or a magic ritual. Um, so that's kind of the extent of what I know about it. It, you know, I mean, like I think most people, if you see somebody smearing blood on a wall, it's it's kind of not attractive. Right. And so I, I I haven't spent a lot of time um, drilling down and and mm. trying to to research it more deeply. Um, but when I got to the point where I saw some quotes of saying, you know, when it's done privately, it's it's a magical ritual. And when it's done publicly, it's performance art. To me, you know, that's. To me, it, it's. I think those two things overlap, um, is my guess, because I. I think to some extent, if you're doing something that, for you, is a magical ritual, but you do it publicly, I don't think it a hundred percent, you know, becomes empty of that intent, and so I, I suspect there's kind of a, an occult intent to it. Mm-hmm in terms of a, a hidden ritual that's going on in the public. That's my guess. Right. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, the 
the devil is the father of lies, right? And it's, it would be kind of crazy to think that they'd just be honest with us. And so, you know, it kind of goes into yesterday I was talking about uh, their blasphemy in movies and being entertained by things that are immoral. And, you know, it's it sounds very similar to me, this idea that people will say, because it's entertainment, it's okay. Because it's entertainment, yeah. we have to we can ignore the fact that they're blaspheming our Lord. Because it's entertainment, it's okay that they're desecrating churches, these kind of things. But because it's just entertainment, therefore they get a pass. And I feel like it's the very same way with the spiritual world. Oh, I go to tarot card readers, but I don't believe that kind of thing. It's just for fun. Oh, I do astrology, but it's just for fun. And they kind of wrap all these different pagan things. They say, it's, I'm not doing it seriously, therefore it's okay. Uh, what say you, Adam Bly? Well, I mean, I've worked on a lot of cases over the years and, and talked with people in the midst of getting disentangled from this stuff. And also, you know, when they're completely free and you kind of debrief and chat about their new perspective, being free of it. And a lot of times there is kind of that um, slippery slope at the beginning where there's a certain amount of curiosity, no matter what you say, there's a certain amount of curiosity. If you're going to go play with the Ouija board for the first time and people are like, Ooh, it, it, I think maybe it works or whatever. There's a certain percentage of curiosity in you like, well, I wonder maybe it does no matter what you say. So otherwise you wouldn't be doing it at all. You would just say, this is ridiculous. It's a waste of time. Um, so you're going into it with at least a, a sliver of wondering or even hoping that it's something fascinating and, and new. And so what I've seen when people tell me their stories is for a lot of them, it starts that way, but then they get, you know, a little indication, a little shimmer of, Oh, that was interesting. Maybe there is something more to it. And they try it again and they try it again. Um, you know, it's kind of like other addictions in life. Um, when you think of drinking or drugs or, you know, a lot of us during the college years try, you know, partying and going out with friends and drinking for the first time. And you have to figure out how to get that under control and then maybe put it away, whatever your judgment is about it. This stuff, you play with it at the beginning. You don't take it seriously, but it's slowly getting a hold on you, just like the other vices that we, you know, usually get, get over them in our youth, hopefully. It's like that, but it's not just a vice. It's a vice with an enemy on the other side of it that is trying to reel us in. So basically, I, you know, I don't buy it to say that it's 100% just for fun and I 100% don't believe it. I think there's a curiosity. Otherwise, you wouldn't pick it up at all. Right, right, for sure. I think that's a huge element to it is that you, we kind of, um, it's still taboo enough. It's still taboo enough in the culture that you have to go out of your way to pick it up. And, there's always been a question that I had, and and the question is, do those things work? Because we think about the sacraments, right? And they work um, by the worker doing the action itself. It's not done mm -hmm. you know, by the holiness of the priesthood, but by the sacrament itself is efficacious. And we com contrast that with like sacramentals and private prayer, which is corollary to the holiness of the person. Uh, is there something similar going on with these kind of things? Well, no. I think it's all about intent, because when you engage in these things, which are violations of the first commandment, uh, by engaging in them and understanding 
you know, that you're even a little bit seeking a relationship with this created spirit instead of God, the creator. You've broken the first commandment. So you've already told God, I don't trust you. I'm not waiting on you. Um, basically, I reject your you in my life because you're asking me to be patient, trust in your providence, read your word, have conversion over my whole life. That's too much work. I'm going to get my answers over here from this created spirit. So you've already, in a sense, shoved God away. And what you're engaging in doesn't care about, there's no corollary of holiness on their side. It's only about free will. So if you say yes, they basically just go to God and say, I should be able to enter a relationship with this person by free will that they've invited me. And that's how they get license to do so. And so all they care about is that yes, because they've already lured you away from God, and now they need you to open the door to them. Um, it's, you know, we see this idea in some folk uh, stories, if you think of, you know, the echoes of this in the stories of vampires. I'm not saying vampires are real, of course, but I'm saying the idea that they have to be invited in before mm -hmm. they can enter your life. There's corollaries of this that come out in our mythologies. Um, that's all the enemy cares about, is you unlocking that door and leaving it open an inch and walking away, and then they're going to slowly enter your life. That's that's really all that matters to them. Wow. Wow. That's very really interesting because, you know, I kind of had this inclination that maybe it had to do with, like, the... Because if, if prayer had to do with the, the goodness of the person, then maybe the demonic prayer is has to do with the badness of the person. The badder you are, the, the more likely you are to have that. But you're saying it's uh, all about intention and then the, and whether or not God allows a demon to actually uh, take advantage of their rights. Is that, is that kind of correct? Yeah, it's, it's just all about the free will, yes. And then what they'll do from there is they'll play a game with you where they'll pretend to be your friend or they'll pretend that you're this powerful magician or witch and, and they're under your control. And they'll play along with you until you're in deeper and deeper. And then later is when they turn on you and they start saying, these are the things you can't do and these are the things you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be punished. So they only turn ugly after a while, after you're in too deep to pull yourself out on your own. That's good to know. That's good to know. Well, we're just about out of time. I have a million other questions, but unfortunately, I will have to wait until Saturday to hear more. Uh, tell us if someone had a question that they wanted to be in the email, um, to ask some questions there. Where can people email and where can people tune in? Um, they could do a search for the Spirit World and Guadalupe Radio Network. And I believe from there, there, there should be links. Um, uh, yeah, I don't remember the exact email off the top of my head. I think it is TSW at GRN. Um, but I, honestly, Adrian, I don't remember. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so, but yeah, it, if, uh, if they go to the GRN Guadalupe Radio Network website, do a search for our show. There should be links to the social media and email from there. All right. You can email him at tsw at grnonline.com, tsw at grnonline.com, and tune in this Saturday, 10 a.m. Central, to hear a mailbag. Uh, God bless you. God love you, Adam. God bless you and your listeners, Adrian. We're going to go into our game show. Call now, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. 
Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. All my life, I was searching for something that seemed to be just one step away. Perfect soulmate, the ideal job, that big adventure. And just when I thought I found what I was missing, I realized that I was never really fulfilled. Then I discovered what I was searching for was really faith in God and belonging to a church. You can find what you've been searching for too. Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where... We give out prizes, and you could be a winner. That number, 877-757-9424. Now, how do you play? What's the game? It's really simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. The trick is, though, I'm not going to ask you the questions. I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? That was kind of a weird pause. Yeah, it was. I was trying to Rudy. I was trying to see if you would (laughs) you would jump the gun. Jump? No. I'm. Yeah. Anyway, this week (laughs) you can win a book by Bishop Sheen today. Now I'm going to ask you a question, dear listener. Be honest with me now. Don't lie to me. I don't like. I don't like it when people lie to me. When was the last time you did a holy hour? Mm. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't done one in a long time. But we're going to give away a book that may encourage you to do a holy hour. This is a book called The Holy Hour Prayer Book. And hopefully it's going to put a seed in your heart to begin making a holy hour. You don't even have to go to the Blessed Sacrament. Although that is the ideal. You can spend an hour in meditation with our Lord at home or at work or during your lunch break or something like that just like Fulton Sheen. Now, this book was generously given to us by our good friend in the Great White North, Alan Smith. Alan is our resident Fulton Sheen expert. He's on every Thursday, and he's a zealous defender of our Lord. You can check out the other books that he's compiled from uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen at bishopsheentoday.com. I'm going to repeat that website again, 
bishopsheentoday.com. This time, it is a .com website. It's not a .studio. It's mm. nothing like that. It's bishopsheentoday.com. Thank you very much, Alan. All right. So if you would like to win that free book from Bishop Sheen Today, make sure you call in 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four. If you do so, you will have an opportunity to win this week's prize, this generous gift from Bishop Sheen today. That number eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And if you called in yesterday. Or called in last Friday. We had a whole oh, line. It was like a Christmas tree. Exploded and you didn't get to be on. Well, now is your opportunity because the next person who picks up the phone and dials 877 757 9424 will have an opportunity to be our winner. And I'm looking at the questions and it is um, two out of three easy questions. Two out of three easy questions today. I'm thinking it'll go over really well. So that that third question, though, looks a little bit more difficult. But we got a caller on the line. Good morning to you. Hi. Howdy. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Maria. 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 Is, what a lovely name. It's the most beautiful name in the world. Thank you. Praise be to Thank God. You. Your mom made a great Thank choice you. in naming you. And now, Maria, where are you calling in from? Uh, Plano. Plain old Texas. Plain old te- hey, you don't have to be so modest. Uh, you know, plain old Texas. <laughs> I mean, Texas is great. No, well, actually, I was born in San Antonio. San Antonio. Uh, let's go. We're going to give it to Plano, though. We're yeah, not, Plano. Yeah. Plano, Plano gets credit for it, Plano. even though you were born in the, the great city of San Antonio, Texas. But uh, that's funny. That's, that's a good one. Plano, Texas. That's, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. There you go, folks. All right, Maria, where are you off to this morning? Uh, well, after Mass, I'm going back home. Praise be to God. You're going to Holy Mass and then... Uh, well, home. actually, I did some adoration, but just had time for 30 minutes. But then we had uh, Holy Mass. And then I have Beautiful. to leave my husband sick. So I'm going home. Well, praise be to God. Uh, what a grace. I'm glad that you are able to make it to adoration and to Holy Mass. And hopefully... Every day. Um, Every day. If you oh every day wow be to God. in this case what this book grace. is uh, I know. you don't need this book then well hopefully it uh, <laughs> give her some ideas of meditation Amen. during her during her holy hours uh, all right Maria are you familiar with the game do you know how to play uh, I guess I and I had to stop and I prayed that I could get the phone number and I finally did oh praise be to God I'm glad you were able to call in and um, yeah. I'm looking at the questions here and I'm sure. Uh, two out of three, I think you're going to nail. One of these is a little difficult, but we'll start it. Are you ready to play? Yes. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, Rudy, question for you. Mm-hmm. Now, you're an expert on this. <laughs> I've uh, seen you use this a few times, mm-hmm. um, just this morning alone. Particularly, for some reason, every time I start talking, you start using this. <laughs> so the, the question is, name the small rod that was used to strike a penitent. All right, so Adrian's referring to off camera when he's on the he, he's on the camera. I'm waving this thing around. Now, this thing, if you've read Holy Scriptures, uh, Maria, in the Old Testament, you may have come across a character. His name is Nimrod, right? Nimrod was a buffoon. He just he would just like always mess up, 
And so the person who hired him was just like fed up and they would beat him mm. with a stick all the time. And that stick, it became the Nimrod stick. Oh. So that's what they used to strike penitence, a Nimrod stick. A Nimrod is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. 15 seconds on the clock, Maria. The question on the board is, name the small rod that was used to strike a penitent. Rudy says it's called a Nimrod. Uh, what say you, Maria, from plain old Texas? Well, it sounds official. I think so. You think so? You sure about that? Um, yes. All right. She's going to go with yes. Survey says, <laughs> oh, Maria. <laughs> I don't think yeah. Nimrod has anything to do with it, but no, it sounds it like a rod. No, nothing to do with Nimrod. It's actually a ferula, and I... I don't oh, know wow. the context of why this was used. It's because it was a but it was a thin sounds tree extreme. that would grow, um, and so it was a thick, like it was about the size of your thumb, like a pliable and, stick, and it was pliable, so it hurts so even it, more, and so it wouldn't break. So it was pliable, and so they would use it as like a as a whip, and so that's why it was used. Yeah, but why? Like, what do you mean, why? Like, why would you do that to a penitent? Why oh. not just give them like penance? Well, that would be a penance for some of them. <laughs> they, we don't do that anymore, but that used to be. Used you to can be pray thing. ten Hail Marys, or you get one Nimrod stick to the back. What do you want? What do you want to do? Now, is Nimrod even a real character? Uh, Nimrod is actually, but I I don't think he was like a buffoon or anything. I, oh, okay. I think it was a complete different thing. Actually, I think he was a bad dude. But hmm. a bad ombre, as they say. A bad ombre. All right. Well, there you go, folks. All right. Well, that was the hard question, Maria. So we're going to go into our other questions. Are you ready to jump into it? Sí. Yes. All right. Let's jump into it. Question number two, Rudy. Will you see this? Because Maria is asking you to see it. She said, see. Um, the question is, what was the profession? What job did Adam's son Cain have? Okay, another scriptural question. I love scripture. So if you look at the uh, the Old Testament there, you'll notice that Cain, he was pretty handy with the uh, plow. He was a farmer. Oh, he was a farmer, you say? Yeah. All right. Here we go. The question, Maria, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what was the profession of Adam's son Cain? Rudy says, well, he was a farmer. And farmer. so what you, Maria says, yes, you're, he's a farmer. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Survey says that is correct. Maria. That's right. Way to go. Specifically, he was a chicken farmer. And that's why now you see restaurants called Raising Cane's and they just serve oh, chicken strips. It's a biblical reference to Cain. For the record, that's completely made up. Uh, um, are you sure? He was a farmer. I he read it on Wikipedia. Definitely didn't have chickens. Uh, the Raising Cane is named after raising his dog, Cain. That's what? actually where it comes from. Really? Yeah. That's why there's pictures of his dog all over the restaurant. But this was revealed to me in a dream. Are you sure? Uh, I regret to tell you, but that dream was hmm. probably someone else. All right, all right, Maria. Are you ready to jump into question number three? All right, let's jump into question number three here. Question number three, Rudy. To whom? Not to who. You have to use. You have to say whom. Whom did the holy lance injure? The holy lance, man. 
You know, I remember back when I was in high school and, you know, I was on the football team and we all had all these crazy football stories, you know, in the locker room. And one time, you know, there was a lot of camaraderie and it's the same with the Swiss guards. You know, they're brothers, they hang out together, all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy mishaps mm-hmm. happen. Well, one time, one of this guy, this guy's name is Guido. Mm. He accidentally poked his buddy. Oh with, no! <laughs> yeah, with his lance. So it was actually Guido's friend Giorgio who got stabbed with the holy lance. The holy lance is the nickname they gave oh. to this lance. So you're saying it was Guido or Giorgio? No, it was Giorgio. Oh, Giorgio. Guido Georgia. stabbed Giorgio. Oh, dude. got it, got it. Guido, All silly right. guy, dude. Fifteen seconds on the clock, Maria. The question is, whom did the holy lance injure? Rudy says it was Guido's friend, Giorgio. Uh, what say you, Maria? Is that right or is that wrong? Wrong. <laughs> What's that, Maria? Wrong. Wrong, she says. <laughs> wrong. All right, let's see. Survey says. It's a true story. I don't know what you're talking about. That is correct, <laughs> Maria. It was not anybody named Giorgio or yeah, Guido. They, they fired it was Guido after that. Our Lord Jesus Christ, Longinus, he pierced our Lord with the Holy Lance, and he then converted after the blood and water flowed over his face. He was able to see Based. our Lord for who he truly was. But way to go, Maria. You're in two for three. How do you feel? Great. Thank Praise God. Praise be to God. All right, Maria, we are going to put you on hold, so stay on the line. We're going to get your contact information. But God bless you. God love you, and have a blessed day. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for calling in. And that's going to do it for our radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, hop on to our social media streams. We would love to interact with you directly. Ask any questions, comments, or concerns. Uh, We're going to be chatting with our friend Timothy when we get back. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the Holy Mass, live at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the Soul Community. Today is Tuesday in the 31st week of Ordinary Time. We celebrate a votive Mass for the Most Holy Eucharist. The intention for today's Mass is for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, those joining us online, and those here present. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. To his feet your tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, alleluia, praise the everlasting King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries.
you, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who have accomplished the work of human redemption through the paschal mystery of your only begotten Son, graciously grant that we who confidently proclaim under sacramental signs the death and resurrection of Christ may experience continued increase of your saving grace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them. If prophecy in proportion to the faith, if ministry in ministering, if one is a teacher in teaching, if one exhorts in exhortation, if one contributes in generosity, if one is over others with diligence, if one does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be sincere, hate what is evil, hold on to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, anticipate one another in showing honor. Do not grow slack in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, endure in affliction, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the Holy Ones, exercise hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Have the same regard for one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. The Word of the Lord. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor are my eyes haughty. I busy not myself with great things, nor with things too sublime for me. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. Nay, rather, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child, like a weaned child on his mother's lap, so is my soul within me. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. O Israel, hope in the Lord, both now and forever. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. Alleluia. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. One of those at table with Jesus said to him, Blessed is the one who will dine in the kingdom of God. He replied to him, A man gave a great dinner to which he invited many. When the time for the dinner came, he dispatched his servant to say to those invited, Come, everything is now ready. But one by one they all began to excuse themselves. The first said to to him, I have purchased a field and must go to examine it. I ask you, consider me excused. And another said, I have purchased five yoke of oxen and am on my way to evaluate them. I ask you, consider me excused. And another said, I have just married a woman and therefore I cannot come. The servant went and reported this to his master. Then the master of the house in a rage commanded his servant Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in here the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. The servant reported, Sir, your orders have been carried out and still there is room. The master then ordered the servant, Go out to the highways and hedgerows and make people come in that my my home may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited will taste my dinner. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel today, Jesus has another encounter with somebody at this particular Pharisee's house where he went to dine. And this one, of course, exclaims, and rightly, blessed is the one who will dine in the kingdom of God. But, of course, Jesus goes on to say, well, who is the one who is going to dine in the kingdom of God. And notice how Jesus, when he says, those who were invited, they had all kinds of excuses, very worldly excuses, things I have to attend to here on this earth, uh, buying a field, a yoke of oxen, of course, even marrying someone, things that would occupy us here in this world, but it help us, that would, it could lose our attention, of course, on the world to come. On the, on the kingdom of God, on eternal life. And so what, is it, what does the servant go out and do? He, the, the master says, go out and find who? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. That should sound very familiar. That was yesterday's gospel. It says, when you invite people to, to a banquet, don't invite your friends who could repay you. Who do you invite? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Those are the ones who will come into the kingdom of God. Those are the ones who, of course, who have been invited and will dine at the table. So blessed are those, in a way, who are blind and crippled and poor and lame. Of course, in a spiritual way. When you think of that banquet that Jesus invites us to, we cannot help but, of course, think of the Most Holy Eucharist that we celebrate here. 
This is the foretaste, the foretaste of what we will experience in eternal life. It also reminds us that in that banquet that we receive, we receive and, and have that foretaste of eternal life, that we are made one in the body of Christ. This is what St. Paul talks about in that reading to the, from the Romans. Of course, after talking about our, our life, new life through baptism, our new life in the Spirit, what does that mean? How does that unfold in our life? Well, now that we've been incorporated into Christ and into his body, we've been given all these gifts, all of these gifts, these graces, these charismatic graces, which the Holy Spirit has poured on upon us. He, is, he does not ration his spirit. He's very generous. And that we are to, of course, um, exercise that, that ministry, that charism for the good of others. It does not necessarily reflect our own holiness. That is sanctifying grace. But the charismatic graces that all of us have received from this glorious banquet that we have a foretaste of eternal life now are to be given for the sake of others. So he says if, if we have the gift of prophecy, then we exercise it in proportion to the faith of ministry, then in ministering, in ministering to others, that that grace is poured out. If we're a teacher, of course, in teaching, in exhortation, or if we, one of the exhorts in exhortation, if one contributes, of course, then in generosity. If one is over others with diligence, if one acts with mercy, then to do those acts of mercy with cheerfulness. He says finally, and it sort of sums it up, let love be sincere. The sacrament of the Eucharist, sometimes called the sacrament of charity, helps us, informs us, so that our love can be sincere. In fact, the Eucharist, that, that foretaste of the eternal banquet that, that it, of the kingdom of God that Jesus has invited us to, is the pattern of our life, of how we are to live our life. As Jesus says, says he takes bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to his disciples, that is the pattern of our life at this banquet. We are to be blessed, broken, and given in the body of Christ. And if we do that, our love will truly be sincere. Christ has poured out his love in this eternal banquet, which we have a foretaste of in the Eucharist, and then, of course, invites us to pour out our life in service of God and of others. May we go and do likewise. Let us now turn to the Father in humility and faith with our prayers and for the needs of the world. We pray for Pope Francis, for Bishop, our Bishop Michael, and all bishops, that they will lead us into a deeper commitment to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. For our world, that leaders of nations will humbly seek to serve their people without care for political or personal gain. Let us pray to the Lord. Mindful in this month of November for those who are nearing the end of their life that they will receive the compassionate care and spiritual support that they need for all those who have died for the holy souls in purgatory that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. For each one of us gathered here, joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, that the Holy Spirit will guide and support us, giving us the grace to embrace a life of humble prayer and selfless service. Let us pray to the Lord. 
We pray too for all the elderly or infirm, the sick or the suffering, especially who have those who have no one to pray for them, that they will come to experience God's healing touch. Let us pray to the Lord. God of mercy, our strength and our protection, open our hearts to your grace, that we may always know and do your will through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Celebrating the memorial of our salvation, we humbly beseech your mercy, O Lord, that this sacrament of your loving kindness may be for us the sign of unity and the bond of charity through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he is the true and eternal priest, who instituted the pattern of an everlasting sacrifice and was the first to offer himself as the saving victim, commanding us to make this offering as his memorial. And as we eat his flesh that was sacrificed for us, we are made strong. And as we drink his blood that was poured out for us, we are washed clean. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sun celi et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, 
Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you, in your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Soften to the sign of peace. Agnus Dei. Qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
thou who at thy Eucharist did pray that all thy church might be forever one. Grant us at every Eucharist to say with longing heart and soul thy will be done. Oh, may we all one bread, one body be through this blessed sacrament of unity. We pray thee to for wonders from thy fold. Oh, bring them back, good shepherd of the sheep, back to the faith which saints believed of old, back to the church which still that faith doth keep. Soon may we all one bread, one body be through this blessed sacrament of unity. Let us pray. May sharing at the heavenly table sanctify us, Lord, we pray, so that through the body and blood of Christ, the whole family of believers may be bound together through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Prepared to vote. 
Citizens have co-responsibility for society. The moral theology tradition teaches that one may not vote for an enemy of religion or of freedom, except to exclude a worse enemy of religion and of freedom. Learn more so you're prepared when you vote this November. Visit EWTN.com slash vote for everything Catholic voters need to know before picking up a ballot. Catholic Connection is a 